Melania, I hear like explosions, I hear sirens, like I think it started, I think it started. Her name is Melania, and she came from Ukraine. Melania is a junior at Ann Arbor Huron High School. Recently, she wrote an article for the school's newspaper about Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Later, she was told to remove a portion of her writing due to the censorship policies that the school enforces. But Melania had words to say. Likewise, we want to hear. So, on a beautiful sunny day, Melania sat down with us in the downtown public library. She talked in depth about what she knew of the war, a combination of history, memories, tragedies, and emotions. The events she describes were oftentimes graphic, and her tears were heartbreaking. The whole purpose of our podcast is to provide a platform for anyone and everyone to share. We are seeking multiple voices and perspectives to build our understanding of this very complex war, and we start the conversation today with Melania. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, yeah, so my name is Melania. I am from Ukraine, from capital city, Kiev. I moved to US about two years ago at the beginning of 2020 uh, with my mom, stepdad and stepsister. At first we lived in Louisiana, New Orleans, and I lived in Louisiana for about a year. And then last summer, this summer of 2021, we were all in Ukraine where when it still was like peaceful and situation was okay, we were in Ukraine. And then after this, last August, we, me and my mom moved to Ann Arbor, Michigan. She has work here. She's in PhD in University of Michigan and I go to school here. So I'm here for study. Um, the rest of my family is in Ukraine currently. Some of them were able to evacuate. My stepmom and my brother, they evacuated to Germany, and my stepsister, she evacuated to Poland. The rest is still in Ukraine. At the beginning of the war, uh, my grandparents and my also stepmom and dad and my brother, they all uh, moved to western part of Ukraine. My grandparents moved to a smaller city. They got an apartment there for free for like a refugees. Um, because it was dangerous in Kiev at the beginning, it was being bombed and it was the main goal of um, Russian army. They wanted to capture Kiev mm -hmm. and they planned to capture it in three days. They didn't, but it was their plan and it was dangerous there. So a lot of people moved to Western Ukraine mm -hmm. because it was much safer there. Um, what was your life like when you were in Kiev? Uh, it was good. It was uh, amazing. It's a big city. It's very different from America. Uh, you know, it's like a European big city. It's a capital. A lot of cafes, restaurants, uh, different clubs, uh, places to go. Um, yeah, basically, I grew up in Kiev and um, all of my friends are still there. Uh, so basically most, like, I think 90% of my memories from my life is from Ukraine, from Kiev. Mm -hmm. You know, like, first friends, like, first love, first things I tried, some, just, like, life in general. There were a lot of things that were happening 
It was very nice, but I really wanted to... I was excited to move to America. I wanted to see how it's here because a lot of Ukrainians and other people from different Eastern European countries, they have this uh, like perception that America is something great, better than we have. And it's like a, you know, American dream. Yeah. So I was really excited. I thought that it's a country of possibilities. It's much better than we have. And... Uh, you know, uh, the reality is a little bit different, but um, yeah, in America, it's more like uh, cities are smaller, not like a big European city. So it's very different and it's not bad. It's just a cultural difference. And yeah, Kiev is nice and it's probably for me personally the best place to live in and I really miss it. And have you always been aware of the conflicts between Ukraine and Russia since you were a kid? Um, yeah, it's, yeah, you know, when I was little, I wasn't much, like, involved in politics and stuff, but it was always something that everyone was talking about, and it was something that everyone was aware in Ukraine, so, yeah, always, like, Russia, I perceived Russia as a country aggressor, and country that is terrorizing us, especially after 2014. Mm -hmm. The war started in 2014, so uh, a lot of people think that it's just started recently, but in Russia has been terrorizing us for centuries. And it started, uh, it annexed Crimea in 2014 after uh, Maidan revolution in Kiev. I was nine at the time, so I remember it. And after it, it was a um, very unstable economic situation in the country, and Putin was back then also a president. Uh, and he annexed Crimea, an island that belonged to Ukrainian territory. So basically, the same as he is trying to do right now was like other occupied cities in Ukraine. And uh, the war started in eastern part of Ukraine, in uh, Donetsk and Luhansk cities, regions in Donbass. Um, it, and it has been going on for eight years already, but uh, this February 2022, uh, Russian army invaded fully the whole country, and of course it was much more horrific, like all Ukrainians have been affected, not only those that lived in the eastern part, just everyone is now affected. Um, you mentioned you were 10 years old when the annexation of Crimea happened. Mm -hmm. What do you remember from that? Uh, I was 9, 10, so um, Crimea was always a part of Ukraine, and the indigenous population of Crimea is Crimean Tatar people, and um, it's an island, and a lot of Ukrainians uh, were uh, going to Crimea for summer because it's uh, Black Sea near there, so we had Crimean Tatars friends too, and we were visiting Crimea like almost every summer when I was little. We had friends there, and you know, everything was fine. And then I, of course, have a memory of Maidan revolution. People just went out. It was a mass revolution right in the center of Kiev. We overthrew our corrupt government because we had a pro-Russian president. We overthrew him. He left Ukraine. And because we didn't want uh, to be associated with Russia as much, we didn't want to have a pro-Russian president. He was also Putin's friend. So people went out on the streets. They stayed there for um, a lot of weeks, they slept there, they, yeah, 
it was a very powerful revolution. My Even my dad went there, so a lot of people we knew also stayed there and went to protest. And uh, right after the revolution, uh, the annexation happened, and I remember how um, my mom told me that, you know, uh, we're not able to, we wouldn't be able to go to Crimea anymore to visit our Crimean Tatar friends. We are not, like, we're not going to be able to go to Crimea in the summer anymore because now it's, um, there are Russian tanks there. It's basically Russia next. It occupied it. It's now officially a Russian territory and it's now going to be very complicated. And then, yeah, after the annexation, we stopped visiting Crimea, but, I believe that after our victory, after the war is over, we will be able to get Crimea back. <laughs> um, did you witness any protests or movements before the conflict? Uh, before uh, 2014, before the Maidan Revolution? Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, honestly, not that I remember of. There, there were maybe some Ukrainian, like... Patriots, nationalists, they had their like own movements and their own protests, but they were not as huge as Maidan Revolution, so it wasn't like a big thing and nothing like massive that I remember. And how do your friends and family feel about the independence of Ukraine? Uh, my All of my family is very pro-Ukrainian. Of course, they are for independent Ukraine, as most Ukrainians are. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. There is not much to say. Of course, they are for independent Ukraine. My grand, my grand dad, uh, my mother's dad, he uh, actually, uh, yeah, he when he was younger, uh, right after the fall of the Soviet Union, he was a part of uh, like groups that were fighting for Ukraine's independence, and he contributed a lot to Ukraine as it is right now. So yeah, they all are very pro-Ukrainian. Do you know if there's anyone who isn't? Um, there are some people, of course, some, I don't know, uh, in Ukraine who might be in opposition, but it's not the majority. And, um, you know, in with all of this current situation, they are being arrested usually. Well, those are like some small politicians or some separatists. Uh, so, but it's not something huge, you know. Ninety-nine percent of Ukrainians are fighting right now, and they are patriots. Mm-hmm. So you were in America when the in February. You were in America in February, right? Uh, yeah, when the invasion started, I was here in Michigan. Yes. What was your reaction when you heard about it? I was just in shock, you know, I w- we were hearing about this, we saw a lot of news, uh, like, about four or three months, I'm not sure how long, so I can't really say the exact number, but uh, Putin sent Russian troops to the border with Ukraine, and they were staying there for some time, and it was a sign that the invasion might happen, so a lot of people started even evacuating uh, before all of this started, because you know, everyone were kind of panicking and the people were not sure what is going to happen, either Russia is going to invade or not, because the Russian army, like Russian troops are standing uh, right in the border with Ukraine. So 
it was kind of a stressful situation and we were also like with my mom we were stressed about it we were not sure what's gonna happen and then on 24 of february um, they invaded at five in the morning it was five in the morning in ukraine and in here in michigan it was evening it was around 10 Oh yeah, it was evening. I remember this evening and I was texting with my friend, with my best friend from Kyiv and um, she was she texted me, Melania, I hear like explosions, I hear um sirens, like I think it started. I think it started and I told my mom uh, that she texted me this and uh, my mom told me, no, I don't think so, I don't think they invaded, uh, not in Kyiv, it's not possible that it's gonna be explosions in Kyiv. And then, uh, after probably 30 minutes, around 30 minutes, my mom came to my room and she said, yeah, they invaded, she called her husband, who's in Ukraine, and... Sorry. No, it's okay. Um... Alright. Oh, it's okay. Uh, yeah, so we started calling all of our relatives uh, on the phone, on FaceTime, who were in Kyiv. They all were like in shock. We were also very stressed. And we just, I could not believe that this was really happening, that Kyiv was being bombed, like my hometown. And I was just in shock. It was very scary. We did not know what to expect. I started crying, you know, I was texting with my friend, it was very, very stressful. And then my another friend, also from Kyiv, also like my close friend from childhood, she was also in Kyiv when all of this started and she texted me a text message in Instagram, she just texted me, Melania, it started. And I said, yeah, I know, I heard, how are you, like, are you safe, what is going on, what are you planning to do? And she told me, uh, my mom came into my room at five in the morning, uh, we all woke up from the sounds of sirens and later explosions and bombs, and she told me, pack your stuff, we are leaving to a village, we're leaving Kiev because war started and they left right in they left uh, in the first day of the war almost immediately so yeah it was very um horrible and scary but it was only the beginning and as all of this horrible stuff continued we started seeing only more and more horrible and horrific stuff but even before the news that the invasion had started, were people expecting it? Uh, people were kind of expecting it because of the war that has been in eastern part of Ukraine, in Donbass, that has been going on for eight years. So some people were thinking that it might grow into something bigger. And then when uh, Putin sent his troops to the border, also they were staying there for quite some time and people... A lot of people were thinking that, yeah, the invasion might start. But... Most people were not expecting such cruelty, because even I, I thought that, yeah, they might occupy some cities, they might, like, you know, maybe bomb something, but I didn't, I was, uh, like, I was thinking that they're not gonna harm civilians, mm -hmm. but after what we saw, like, happening in occupied territories, what they did to people is just... 
I don't know, the highest level of cruelty. And do you keep in contact with your family and all the people you know? In yeah, of course. I'm. Uh, for example, I'm in contact with all of my friends like every day. We're texting almost every day. I'm FaceTiming with my grandparents, my stepmom and my dad, like also um, oftenly. So I'm always in, in contact with them, yeah. So do you know their reactions and conditions at the beginning of the attack? Yeah, I remember I called my stepmom. She was just in horrible condition. It was before they left Kiev. They, it was right like first three days of war, st- uh, first three days of invasion. And um, I called her on FaceTime. I was in school and she was in horrible condition. She said, we are scared. We don't know what to do. And uh, my dad and my stepmom, they have a child my brother he's uh, four so he's a child he doesn't understand war he doesn't understand what is happening and uh, they didn't know what to do with a child where to evacuate where to go what to do they were really scared and uh, but then uh, on fifth day of the invasion probably it was right in the beginning they um moved to Ivano-Frankivsk, it's uh, another city in western part of Ukraine where my another grandma lives, so mom of my dad. They moved there, they stayed there for a while, it was much safer there, and then after a while my stepmom and my brother, they moved to Germany, but my dad is still in Ukraine because uh, men uh, from the age of 18 are not allowed to leave Ukraine because they are required for army. So only women and children are able to leave. So adding on to that, you said men citizens can't leave. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know anybody that joined the military? Uh, not personally, not not anyone from like my close circle or my close family members, but we know like some of our friends, distant friends or just people we know or some like distant relatives or friends of my grandparents a lot of them are in military right now yeah my the husband of my mom's close friend he's also in military there is no contact with him and we do know some like friends or distant people that are in military yeah um was your family forced to seek shelter during the bombing uh, yes, they all went to shelters. So in Kiev and in other cities, it's like they have sirens a couple of times a day, like almost five or four times a day they have sirens. And when there is a sirens, it means that something might uh, fall, like a bomb or an explosion, and everyone needs to go to a shelter. And at the beginning of the war, people were like, very scared so they were going to shelter all the time my grandparents were going to shelter my dad and all of my friends they were like in the shelters a lot of were staying in metro stations like in subway Mm -hmm. there are still a lot of people who live there who lost for example their homes and they have nowhere else to go so they just stay in subway uh well a bomb shelter is like an underground um little space where you go and there is usually not no internet you can't call from there some people installed wi-fi there probably it depends what shelter it is uh, but it's hard to stay there for a long time because it's you know it's cold there and it's not a very good condition after some time 
some people started like ignoring this siren says like for example my friend who is in Kiev she never evacuated from there she was there from the beginning and she's still there she says that there are often sirens still in Kiev but they don't always go to a shelter because you know it takes time and it can be far so they sometimes go to a bathroom because it's safer if like uh, something falls uh, they need to be somewhere like in a more close to where there is no windows so they sometimes go to bathroom or they sometimes go like to um outside of the apartment because um we live like in flats yeah. it's like a big it's not like just a house so they just go um I forgot how it's called in English, but they just go outside of their apartment and stay there somewhere in the corridor. Okay. Yeah, um, it depends. So they don't go to a shelter every time there's a sirens. It depends. And in the shelters, are there resources to support the people there? Like, like what? Like what like resources? Like food, water. Oh, like people bring food and water with mm-hmm. them. So it usually, yeah, they bring it like and share with others, so if they have to stay for a while, they bring something with them usually. Yeah, Ukrainians united very well and supporting each other a lot, so yeah. Um, you said the shelter was like really small. How many people can fit? Um, it's not, uh, it depends on what shelter it is. There are different ones, there are bigger ones, there are smaller ones. Um, you know, there are shelters with like more than 30 people in them or there are i have not personally been in the shelter thankfully so i can't really say it uh, because i don't really know but from what i seen like pictures and what people told me um it just depends on what kind of shelter it is yeah sometimes it can fit a lot of people sometimes it's a very small room so yeah it depends you said some people lost their homes due to the bombing they have to live in the subway yeah um, is your home still... Uh, my home is thankfully safe. Uh, my apartment that, that I was that I grew up in, in Kiev, it's, we rent it to some people. We rented them to, uh, it to people when we moved to US. But it's still safe, thankfully. Yeah, it wasn't damaged. And also an apartment of my grandparents is also okay. Um, so yeah, thankfully our homes are pretty okay. And you mentioned a while ago that a lot of people have been escaping the city to other places like Germany. Yeah. Um, do you personally know any other refugees? Uh, well, my relatives, like my stepmom and my brother, mm-hmm. then uh, right in the first days of invasion, there were a lot of people in the Polish border. So a lot of people were evacuating to Poland. And my stepdad, my mom's husband, he was personally evacuating like... Um, his relatives and also his daughter to Poland and there was like a gigantic line of people they were staying there for about four days with no food left like there was some food but you know not normal conditions and it was very stressful it was very like it was a lot of people in the border and and like some of my mom's friends also evacuated with children first in Poland, then they left to some other country. They like, for example, on the car, then they had to leave a car, or if they had to like go through some 
occupied territory or uh, if it wasn't fully safe they had to like walk for like a couple of hours then take a train then uh, because we, they were not able to take planes I think because the uh, airports some of the airports were being bombed uh, yes yeah, so it was kind of hard to evacuate but a lot of our friends evacuated and became refugees and some of my family members too and what kind of dangers could they potentially um, come across on their journey? Uh, when they evacuate, yeah. uh, it depends where, where they are evacuating from. Like, for example, people who were evacuating from Mariupol is a city, uh, that Ukrainian city that was just completely destroyed and yeah. erased and it is still occupied. And uh, people who were evacuating from Mariupol, it was extremely dangerous because they were, for example, they were in the car and they were going and um, if there are Russian troops, they are just gonna fire at you. They're gonna, they're gonna shoot. People were hanging, uh, like people put uh, a signs on their car that were saying that there are children here like they wrote children like in a big banner and put it on their car usually so uh, you know um, military sees that there are children so don't fire at us but they still do they still fire they shoot everything and everyone so it's really dangerous but if you're evacuating from a um, territory that is not occupied, it should be pretty much okay. Uh, it can be stressful in the border. But also there is a big problem for Ukrainian women and children too, who uh, evacuated to some, for example, to Poland, and they have nowhere else to go. For example, they have no relatives there or no one they know. They just like became a war refugee suddenly, they just had to move somewhere. And there are a lot of um, men or who are waiting on the border for like Ukrainian women and they might, uh, there's a big possibility and danger for them to become sex trafficking victims or human trafficking victims. Or there were even situations when some Ukrainian girls were invited by some men in the border to like stay with them but then they were raped or like I don't know captured or something like this so there is a lot of danger in the borders especially for women so you have to be very careful who you trust where you go and uh, it's good when you have relatives when you have some someone to go to but when you're just alone with children and you don't know anyone in a new country it can be very dangerous did you know anybody that arrived safely into? Yeah, like all of our friends that evacuated, they are pretty much safe right now. Like my stepmom, my brother, my stepsister, they are doing pretty much okay right now. What's like the average day like for someone who's living in Kiev? Uh, well, now it's pretty. It's became better in Kiev after Kiev region was liberated from Russian forces. Uh, a lot of Ukrainians returned back to Kiev and my grandparents also recently came back to Kiev and even my dad wanted to come back but I told him not to yet because it's still not fully safe so better to stay where it's like safer but a lot of people returned to Kiev and uh, 
Mm, you know, a lot of like stores are starting to opening there right now. Uh, so there are some people on the streets. So it's the situation is kind of better than at the beginning, but still, you know, nowhere is Ukraine right now is fully safe. But Kyiv is not really being bombed that much anymore. But there are still sirens and something can fall, like an explosion or something. But um, people got used to it. It's their new reality now, and they kind of just go along with it. You know, for example, my friend, uh, like my best friend from Kiev, she just texting me, oh, there is a siren again, it's so annoying, you know, and she doesn't always go to a shelter, so people just kind of got used to it. In Kiev, it's a little bit better, and I'm actually hoping that I would be able to go there this summer to visit family and friends, if it's going to be safe, or, yeah, maybe for a couple of weeks. What about school? Is school still going on? For it's online, oh, mostly okay. online. It's badly organized, yeah. Uh, people were supposed to graduate, like, mm-hmm. because in Ukraine, in school, we have uh, only 11 grades. Oh. Uh, so, like, um, 11 graders are... Um, graduating and all of my friends, well, most of my friends who are in 11th grade, like me, they were uh, supposed to graduate this uh, year, but it was all cancelled and school turned. At first there was no school when the invasion started, obviously, but then um, teachers started to do like some online versions, but it's not very well organized and yeah, but there is some school that are starting to work online. And how are you doing personally since the invasion started? Uh, Not well. It's a general condition. And um, a lot of people ask me this, and I always tell them that um, I am not well with all of this, obviously. I'm not, like, crying 24-7, but... um, It's just a general condition. I will not be well until all of this is over. Uh, you know, I can laugh, I have, I can have some fun, but uh, this war is like, it's a life before and after, so it's a big part of my life too. Uh, and um, at first, uh, when all of this started, it was very hard to like do schoolwork or anything like that, because it's like two completely different realities. I'm reading news and I'm seeing people being killed, bombed, raped. Uh, and all of this horrible stuff and then I go to school where it's peaceful, everyone is happy, everything is so nice and I'm mentally in a war zone, I'm mentally not here, I'm mentally back home all the time and I see people just going around with their business here and sometimes I imagine like bombs being here or like I look at people and I imagine them all being, like, killed, and it's, like, two different realities. It's very hard to continue with regular peaceful life when this is happening. While we are working on this episode, the Ukraine war reached its 100-day mark. Destruction continues every hour, every day, and everywhere in the country. In two weeks, you will hear the second part of this interview and more devastating violence of the war. For now, some 6,000 miles away from the actual fighting, please join us in this music, Prayer for Ukraine.